This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. I'm Emily Fox. I was on vacation last week, so I'm going to share some of my favorite interviews from the spring that we aired on the broadcast version of the show that was before Sound and Vision became a podcast. By the way, you can catch the extended version of Sound and Vision on KEXP. It airs every Saturday from 7 till 9 a.m. Pacific time. We stream online worldwide at kexp.org. But you came here for the podcast, and I am here to deliver, so let's get on to it. Today on the show, we'll hear how Head in the Heart changed their sound on their latest album. We'll also hear how social and historical issues in Puerto Rico influenced the latest album from Elay. With these albums, I had the necessity of writing about what bothers me about our society. We'll hear how environmental and social issues come up in the latest album by Aurora. I was just kind of writing about the eternal uh, hunger we have for everything and we're so strange creatures. And Imogen Heap will talk about her ideas to change the music industry. So the Creative Passport is a digital identity for music makers. But first, let's check in with Odessa. Harrison Mills and Clayton Knight are the masterminds behind Odessa. Welcome. Hey, hey. hey. So let's let's go through some some of your recognitions over the years. You've had Grammy nominations. Your album A Moment Apart reached number three on the Billboard chart, and you've had many other recognitions. Most recently, your music was featured in this last season of Game of Thrones. That's <laughs> yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a specific moment or accolade or memory that's that you feel has been the highlight for you personally of your career in Odessa? Man, I think the last Coachella performance was definitely something that we spent so much time on and getting getting every detail right uh, and was so nervous about. For it to work out the way it did, I think, was really something special for us. Uh, I mean, this last album cycle, like, everything's been pretty insane. So, you know, doing our first live performance on TV from doing those and then just a whole world of new experiences uh, that kind of, you know, you it, I... I Used to be afraid of being pushed out of my comfort zone. Now that's become something I really strive to do more so, especially with this project. And, um, you know, it's fun. It's fun to get out and try new things. So, Harrison, how about you? What's been the highlight? There's been a, just a bunch of like small things that I just never thought would happen. So it's hard to choose just one. Um, I think Coachella was definitely that was something we worked five months on and we didn't know if it was going to work. You know, it's like. And how would you describe that performance for someone that wasn't there? Well, we were on the main stage before the headline act, which happened to be Eminem. <laughs> um, but, uh, no pressure. you know, there's yeah, there's a lot of pressure on us. And I think a lot of people were concerned, like, how is an electronic act going to prove themselves on the main stage? And we spent a lot of time um, curating it and making it um, a real theatrical big performance. And we had a lot of live instrumentation, moving pieces, and we had drones flying over the uh, stage. So it was just a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> Can you describe your songwriting process? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it always kind of varies from track to track. But for this last album, you know, when we first started, we just kind of throw everything at the wall. As many ideas as you can, you can bring to the table as possible or is, is usually the best route. And then you can, from there, you kind of narrow it down and figure out what the energy and vibe you're looking for. And you kind of dwindle it down more and more as time goes on. And then the last, like, you know, 15, 20% is the really hard part. 
And that's kind of fine-tuning what you have, picking the elements that work, the sound design, getting everything to fit really well together. And, of course, then on top of that is, you know, finding the vocal features. And that process can take a long time as well. And that's, you know, we're talking about being down in L.A. That's where we're down there for a lot of is recording with different vocalists and, and getting those moments right. But, yeah, so it usually starts with, you know, something pretty simple, like just a basic chord progression or, you know, a simple melody, uh, something that's kind of catching your ear and then building it up and then trimming down what what we think works and, and building some sort of structure from there. And how do you go about f- figuring out who, what vocalists you want on a certain song? Like, for Ooh, example, you had one. Regina Spector, there's mm-hmm. Leon Bridges, and on yeah. you know some of your, your first hits was some singer from Detroit that I came from Michigan mm, yeah. and I had no idea who she was. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what we've kind of done in the past is... Mainly people we think don't want to work with us. <laughs> no. Uh, no, I think there's just a lot of people that we either grew up loving or really love, and we want to find a way to for our paths to cross. And that's the most interesting and exciting thing being a producer is um, you can kind of sculpt around a different kind of vocalist, a different style of music, but but stay in our realm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing we're always excited about is how do we make something that people wouldn't expect work with with the band we are. As someone who uh, studied music in college as a vocalist, I'm curious from yeah. your perspective, what comes first, the instruments or the vocal piece? Is the vocal piece like another instrument added on as a layer yeah, or how do you view for it? For sure, for sure. And that's kind of been a hard process. But what we'll do a lot of time is build some really you know, simple uh, instrumental, be it like a simple chord progression, maybe just like some piano and drums. And then what we'll have is them try to write on top of that and then basically take the best pieces of what we think the vocal element is doing and then trim that down and then build a whole instrumental from scratch around that vocal tone and that delivery um, and that's kind of the, been the process because you know trying to trying to build an instrumental and keep it all there because you just don't know how their delivery is going to go how their tone is going to fit in the track so you almost have to build the song around the top line and, and the vocal and if you give someone too much they're going to not know what to do with the song exactly. because you've kind of built these rules already so if you leave it really open and there's a lot of space for someone to kind of be free and try a lot of mm-hmm. different things then you can pick and choose the things that work best and and structure it right right so do you have them come in and you're like here's a sheet of music i want you to play or it's like usually I- yeah no here's like some loop yeah. <laughs> just jam on it for a while and then if you've yeah you can, can kind of start hearing a melody come together and that's that's when you know usually you have like a you know beginning to a verse or a hook or something something like that and that's 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 the beginning of the track that's usually. how we did the leon bridges song yeah it was just a really simple like piano loop with drums and we just sat with him and just tried a bunch of different stuff and slowly it formed over yeah, like yeah. six hours What are the elements that you think need to be in place uh, to be a band right now that gets recognized. I mean, sometimes, especially in this digital world, yeah. it can seem like there's so much at our fingertips. How do you start narrowing it down? And, and how do you rise to the top? Yeah. But but whether that be how you promote yourself or just what you do musically, how do you get 
um, to the level that you've become to be as Odessa? Oh, man, I think there's a million little factors. I think luck is a big one. But um, I think just uh, approaching a lot of opportunities and not being quick to say no, but also being able to say no. It's like a really fine line, you know. Uh, I think being really authentic is something that is career-lasting choices. So being really genuine about everything you do and not phoning stuff in or doing stuff just because maybe it's a financial gain or something. We, we've always been trying to do the thing that works best for what we've always wanted to do and, and trying to keep those decisions in that same like line of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just hard work, getting out there, doing the grind. And it's weird because like, we grew up, the, the music industry has changed so much from the time we came up to where it is right now. So this, this advice may be useless. <laughs> and that's how many years ago? <laughs> yeah, and it's not that long. I mean, like four yeah. or five, if you t- talk from the beginning there. So it's it's a hard thing to... And if anyone tells you they know how to make success in today's music <laughs> don't industry... Don't trust that person. Don't listen There's to There's no formula. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, hard work and just staying true to you and trying to make something unique is, I think, some timeless things you can kind of whether, whether you, around. But. Whether you like see it or not, someone not being authentic in what they're doing is transparent. You know, I, I think most people see it and it may work for a, a hype situation, something quickly. But if you're trying, you know, to run a marathon, which is, I think, the ideal situation for um, a band, then you really have to, like, take into account all that stuff. Well, I've been speaking with Harrison Mills and Clayton Knight of Odessa. Harrison and Clayton, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. This is a best of rebroadcast version of Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Honeybee, could you imagine where our lives would lead? That silly ring, it wasn't meant to be. Luckily, you saw in me something I couldn't see. Head in the Heart released a new album this spring. It's called Living Mirage. This album is a popular departure from their earlier folk rock hits like Rivers and Roads. Lost in my mind. I am lost in my mind. I get lost in my mind. And part of that departure might be that this is the first album Josiah Johnson isn't in. You hear him singing in those earlier songs. Johnson has been vocal about his struggles with addiction. And Head in the Heart band member Matt Gervais says it was ultimately Johnson's decision to step back from this album. I think it really came down to confronting hard truths. Like he realized that. The sort of uh, dynamics at play in, in a band in, in, in the head and the heart and that's touring constantly, has a lot of different pressures on, on us at all times, wasn't really something that he was ready to or willing to jump back into. Gervais says this subject of confronting hard truths is a big theme that comes up on this new album. And coming to the realization that you need to, that you're the only one who can kind of really help yourself. So there's that's almost a paraphrase of a lyric on the first track of the album until you learn to love yourself the door is locked to someone else. Without the dark, there is no light, but 
Don't give the ghost an inch tonight. I saw the signs you believing, but I didn't want to believe it. So I think a lot of them are about this kind of personal growth and interpersonal growth, which is also happening within the band. Later in the record, you have the song Up Against the Wall, which is about pushing back on this feeling that you'll never love again. Take a step back, wait just a minute Isn't living all about embracing the real You don't have to waste your life alone, alone And towards the end of the album, you have the song I Found Out, about allowing yourself to love again. It's not the love that's in your mind. It's not this preconceived notion that you've made, which gets back to the idea of overcoming these hurdles. It's about questioning your your own belief system and figuring out, oh, wait, maybe there's a different set of truths that I'm I haven't I've had my eyes closed to, you know. So it's the love you might find. Uh, instead, which is which is which is being open to possibilities and, and finding what what's out there. fourth studio album by a band that started playing together at an open mic night in Seattle's Ballard neighborhood 10 years ago. Charity Rose Thielen is a singer and multi-instrumentalist with Head in the Heart. She says they hope to still be a band 10 years from now, but that also means staying healthy along the way in order to make it for the long haul. On day one, we were signing on to like, we want to do this forever, you know, together. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to, to do, you know, like vices aside, you know, it's like a polygamous marriage, you know, it's maintaining kind of like not taking for granted, you know, the people that you're in relationships with. And so we're a band that wants to do that. And, and we have to be aware, we have to rise up and be healthy if we want to do this forever. That was my conversation with Head in the Heart in May. It happened when their album Living Mirage was released. This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. The Grammy award-winning Puerto Rican artist known as Ile is out with her sophomore album. It's called El Madura. It addresses current and historical issues in society and is shaped by Ile's connection to her home and culture in Puerto Rico. DJ Miss Ashley has this profile. Ileana Cabra Hoglar, also known as Ile, says she wanted this album to have its own pulse and that she really let all her emotions out for this release. With these albums, I had the necessity of writing about what bothers me, about our society. One of those issues is sexual abuse and the patriarchy. You hear it in the song Temes, which translates to You Fear in English. Ile says she put herself in the shoes of women who have faced sexual abuse or have been brought down by the patriarchy in this song. The lyrics repeat the phrase, Por que me temes? which translates to, Why do you fear me? Por que me temes? Por que me temes? She then goes on to sing what in English would translate to, If I am the fruit of something that has no name, the error that man never commits, why do you fear me? Por que me temes? Si soy fruto de algo que no tiene nombre, el error que no comete nunca. 
For a culture that continues to uphold and even rely on the matriarchal status quo, it's worth considering what Ile might be suggesting, that fear is at the root of abuse. Well, the women's situation is something that, well, is part of our history and it's something that I think about every time. And I think every time I, I think we are closer to, to change, at the same time, something happens that we feel so far away from it. And it's a weird feeling because uh, it takes a lot of psychological work uh, for us to, to see it clearly. Ile says Puerto Rico and the world is suffering from these issues, and she wanted to figure out a way to address this in her music. I just wanted it to be defiant. I had a lot of anger when I was writing this song, so uh, I didn't want it to be too poetic. I just wanted it to be direct and defiant to patriarchy itself. Hate, or odio, is a strong word that one might use to express how Ile feels about patriarchy. It's also the title of one of Ile's songs on the album. This song, which has a pretty graphic music video to accompany it, depicts what's known as the Cerro Maravilla Massacre. It happened more than 40 years ago. Two Puerto Rican pro-independence activists were beat, shot, and killed by police at the top of Cerro Maravilla Mountain in Puerto Rico. The activists were trying to take over the communication towers there. Several policemen were eventually found guilty of murder, and high-ranking local government officials were accused of covering up the incident. To this day, the facts of the massacre remain unresolved. Eli says many people her age and younger don't even know about this event, so she wanted to remind them so an event like this will never happen again. So if we don't understand our past, it's very difficult to understand ourselves. Despite some of Puerto Rico's dark history, Ile says she is still very connected to her culture, and she says Puerto Rican culture is one that expresses itself through art and music. For me, that's my tool, you know, that's how I manage uh, everything we go through by writing or composing or singing. It's like the way that I try to understand things better uh, in my country and also in in the world as well. Ile is a powerful voice for Puerto Rico, and that voice is reaching people beyond the island, taking on its own meaning wherever it travels. This album, Almadura, will always serve as a reminder of the strength, knowledge, and perseverance needed to protect ourselves and our culture. For Sound and Vision, I'm DJ Miss Ashley. And you can read the full transcription of this interview at our website, kexp.org. This is Sound and Vision. Now we're going to hear from a woman who's trying to transform the music industry with technology. Mm, what you say? Mm, that you only meant well, well, cause you did. Mm, what you say? Mm, that it's all for the best, cause it is. Hi there, I'm Imogen Heap, and we're in the Moore Theatre. Imogen Heap brought her world tour to Seattle in June. Unlike many tours, she didn't come to promote new music. She came to promote an idea for the music industry. It's called the Creative Passport. So the Creative Passport is 
a digital identity for music makers. On each stop of the tour, Imogen Heap organizes workshops with musicians, artists, and those in the tech industry to share this idea and get feedback on how to make the program better. Heap says at its core, the program is a digital ID that gives you the power to centralize all of your digital information related to your artwork in one place. You might have... 10 different profiles or maybe 20 different profiles across different services, whether it's social services or whether it's organisations that you're affiliated with for maybe a collection society or a record label or any kind of multiple apps that you might be using for your for your business. How tiring is that just to have yourself kind of spread across these and trying to remember all the logins and the passwords? So one key thing that it does is we are doing everything we can to make this one login for you to go through across all of these socials, all of these services, so that you don't have to pull out these passwords and these all this stuff every time and your profile information and where you're from and, and you know how old you are and whatever else you might be adding in. So essentially, that's one key thing that it does. Another key thing that we, we want it to do, which we're working towards is to help each of those organizations that you're affiliated with get the information they need from you without you having to send it to them um, on a 24-7 basis. So whether that's a calendar or whether that's, you know, your ASCAP number or whatever it might be, it's being able to have that on demand. Anyway, essentially, it's the missing piece that we don't have. It's that bit that connects us to everything, that gives us that authorship into the songs to add metadata to our songs and to be able to essentially tie the music industry together by being a a useful part of it. And some of the other things that I thought were interesting is that, you know, all your song lyrics are there. We've we've kind of lost this idea of the liner notes without the physical CD sales. So lyrics are there. And also something else that you can add to this profile is the the inspiration behind the song, um, things like that. Um, So uh, just a key thing, actually, Um, this isn't actually storing all that data. So you mentioned lyrics there. It's a place where you would author in the correct lyrics to somewhere else. It would be a place where Lyric Find or Genius com or Spotify or wherever's kind of gathering in lyrics would go from one point and so when you when you've worked something out in one of them and it's correct then you can link that to another place where they know it's correct and you've verified it but you might not be typing it all into your specific creative passport it might be that you've corrected it once in lyric find or genius.com and then we try to you know empower all of these places to be redirected to where you've verified that the content is correct. The hope is in the future, this can also be a place where you can create a digital wallet and get paid faster for your music. Where, for example, um, somebody wants to utilize your music in a TV show or in a film score or something like that, you, at the moment, don't have an easy way for them to know how to contact you. So it's just about having our current data that's relevant to us right now so to give people what they want to contact us. Um, So that will help speed up things. It's basically just getting ready. You know, huge amounts of services all around the world are struggling to innovate in the music space. But in the future, if we can empower the songs to do business by themselves, because every single day or every single second there's two songs released every single second in the world so much music and none of it is organized or a lot of, a large proportion of it isn't organized and up to 20 to 50 percent of royalties um don't reach their rightful parties on the planet there's a 45 billion dollar industry which is actually incredibly small when you think of music and the world it's a very small industry and that's because we just don't have the capacity to reach the demand of use of our music 
Another thing Heap brought to this tour is what she calls her Mimu gloves. Mi.mu gloves. And like me and music. Um, that you can spontaneously improvise using you know big clusters of sounds or you can do something as simple as just capture your voice with a you know closing your fist moving it left and right around the stereo field or around the surround field as we also do live now the gloves can act as a filter a sampler a loop pedal and more if you want to add a reverb you could swipe your hand to the left wanted to raise the volume of something you would put your arm up rather than put it down and if you wanted to move your hand to the left you would want the sound to go to the left and things like that um but other ones you might discover that you have your own gestural language that starts to emerge you want to sample a guitar move your hands in an air guitar motion so it looks like you're actually playing something even though you're not or say if you want a loop or an effect to stop you can close your fists i mean the options go on and on and performers can program the gloves to their liking And also with these gloves, performers can actually be up front on the stage and have the ability to move around and control the sound with hand gestures instead of being stuck behind a mixing board. There's just so many options, you know, instead of feeling limited by, oh, I've only got two hands or I've only got two feet to do my looping or whatever, you're suddenly, you've got just an enormous amount of opportunity uh, and options. And starting next week, he will be selling these gloves to the public. So far, the gloves have only been in the testing stage. We've got about 30 glovers, as we call them, who bought the gloves and use them regularly. I suppose we have had a couple of famous people uh, use them. Um, our, our biggest you know, famous person is Ariana Grande. You've done a lot of things in the music industry, engineer, producing, music maker. What is your advice um, to those entering the music industry now that, that want to grow their career? What would be your advice to them to, to be able to make that larger step, to maybe make music a career? Um, I really don't envy any person starting in a music career now. I, I really don't think I would be able to have had the success that I have had if I'd be starting out now. My music is the same, you know, my, my skills are better um i just would i just wouldn't be able to do it i wouldn't have the time i wouldn't know where to go i wouldn't know what to sign up for i wouldn't there's just so much noise so much stuff and nowhere to find any real information no marketplace no place to know what actual services do compared to other services no way to know the deals no way to know the percentage it's just these huge long you know enormous legal stuff that you read if you want to to go into each service and we just don't have the time we don't have the know-how we don't know the legal know-how it just doesn't work in our favor and it's just you know when I started I was 18 and I knew then it didn't work in my favor when I signed my stupid record deal but I was told that was the best that it was you know even it was like 17 percent or something and I was like that doesn't that's just wrong you know but it was like well that's just it there's nothing else on the table that is it that's what you have to go for and it was you know lifetime or you know length of copyright um so I'd, I'll never see those songs again now there's just so many options um but there's no marketplace to to really stand one deal to the next and know all the things that people are suggesting no real understanding of how the money flow works how the data flow works it's just impossible um Compared to the amount of songs that get put out there and compared to the amount of musicians and people that there are now on the planet, it just will never, you know, your, your, 
your chances are so much less actually even though the opportunities seem more but your chance of winning and actually making a living out of music is much much less and that's why we need this is we we need to help we need to empower and enable you know machines and data and discoverability and curation and ai and linked data and all this stuff to help us to help the music find the people that are looking for it but they don't know they're looking for it yet we we just haven't got enough way into the curve to 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 make it to make sense of it but i do think we are getting there but i just think we're not going to be able to do it unless the music maker is part of that story and at the moment we're always under the umbrella of an organization or a service we're, we're not there on our own terms right now imogen heap says she hopes the creative passport will help fix these issues it's still in the research stages, but she hopes for it to become a reality in the next two to three years. So let go, jump in, well, what you're waiting for, it's all right, cause there's beauty in everything. So let go, amazing here, it's all right, cause there's This is Sound and Vision. Norway's Aurora released a new album in June. It's called A Different Kind of Human. You can cry. Aurora joins us now to talk about the social and environmental themes in her music. Hi, Aurora. Hello. So there seems to be a big tribal influence on this album. I mean, even the image on the album cover is a view painted with red lines that evoke this tribal aesthetic. And you also get a tribal vibe in many of the songs in this album, including Hunger and Soulless Creatures. about these sounds, these tribal sounds and images that speak to you? Well, I am really attracted to um, the native culture and, you know, the, and actually it's, it, it's not just like um, the Norwegian folklore and, and, and kind of tribal culture. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's culture from all, all around the world. I feel like it's, it's, it's from a time where we respected everything a bit more, where we were a bit more in touch with, you know, why we're here. And um, I just really like the, the music from our, our native times, if that makes sense, because it's so, it's so passionate and we used music for those simple things like how to explain happiness and sorrow. And it, it just really speaks to me. And so I, I involve a lot of like native elements in my music because um, I'm just really attracted to the mindset also in, f- from those times. The word hunting comes up um, in three of your songs on this album and most prominently in the song Animal. I love this line that you sing, you're hunting 
for love, killing for pleasure, lost in the concrete jungle. What does this lyric mean to you? Well, I did. Um, <laughs> I do have a lot of love for humankind, but on some days I, I feel a bit frustrated. And on that day, I didn't feel particularly um, happy about you know, the way we people treat each other and the animals and, you know, the women and the men and also the planet. I felt a bit frustrated. <laughs> so, um, and I think I was far away from home. I was in a different place. I think I was in LA, which must be the city that is the most different from the place I am from. And I I was just kind of writing about the eternal uh, hunger we have for everything and we're so strange creatures and, you know, we, we keep hunting for love. We can't get enough of it and we keep hunting for, you know, we, we kill for pleasure. It's, it's also kind of drawing a line to the fact that we are not so different than animals than we, than we try to say because we, we, we put ourselves on the top, you know, and we say that we're the most intelligent species on earth. And in many ways we are, but... Um, we are more like animals than we think. <laughs> There's many moments in this album where you seem to have this deep connection to nature. Can you talk about the song the seed and the story you're trying to tell in that song? Um, the seed is very much inspired by Native American culture, actually. Um, you know, the, the music in there and the, and the way I sing is very, like, um, Native uh, Norwegian culture as well. And it's, um, it's, it's quite an aggressive song, I must say, but I think it's important sometimes that... Um, certain messages are carried with a certain kind of force and strength. And I'm very, very passionate about the earth and, and the nature. Um, I believe it's the one thing that can really help people and really give us some space from ourselves and, you know, from, from everything that makes being a human very hard. And nature can give us that, that space to just exist and be. It doesn't ask anything of us and... And still we ask everything of it and we give nothing back and we even forget to say thank you, you know, to, to everything Mother Earth does for us. And I, I made this song, The Seed, many, many years ago. And, but I felt like, you know, soon the time will come when, it's, it's, uh, when the world is really ready for this song to be released. And I'm very happy how in time um, The Seed is with, with everything that is happening right now. But yeah, the song is inspired by, you know, the fact that we we cannot we cannot eat money, which you know is quite an obvious statement. But still, we act as if we can. We act as if it's the only thing that we we need in life. And and still, you know, to this very day, it's the richest uh, some of the richest people on the planet, the ones that benefit fits the most of everything that is ruining the planet. You know. It's time for them also to make and um, make a choice for the better. Money, 
interesting. I remember I read a book about um, just Native American culture mm-hmm. and um, how many Native American creation stories talk about humans coming from the earth, being born from Mother Earth, um, versus in Western culture, um, the the idea is that you come from God, you come from the sky, and Earth was made for you. And so mm-hmm. Western, current Western approaches to nature are very much the world is here for us versus in Native American culture is very much we are we're made from the world and the, and we need to protect yeah. the world. So it's a very, very different approach. And it's, it's very interesting to see how this plays out in your music. And, and yeah, you, I know you were, you were born and raised in Norway. You still live in Norway and I have never yes. been there, but it's a place that I really, really want to go. It looks absolutely beautiful. All the fjords, the mountains, the nature, the natural beauty. How much has Norway influenced your connection to nature and is and is nature and the climate something that's talked a lot about in Norway? Well, it is, but I don't, but I still don't feel like we we talk about it enough. I think as such a small country, but still quite wealthy and powerful, we could do more for the planet than we are doing. But that's you know my opinion. I I, I hope that we will take even bigger steps to really make a difference um but i but living there has taught me a lot because where i grew up we there were always almost no people i live in a fjord it's actually called called um the fjord of light because it has such a special light you understand the name of it when it's spring because it's completely it's completely special the the light is just carried a bit more soft by the air it's very very beautiful and and you see the mountains, you know, on the other side of the fjord, and they stretch as far back as you can see. And I have the forest behind our house, um, or my childhood house. And um, being in the forest has t- taught me a lot. I I enjoyed being in the forest more than being with 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 people or with, with friends when I was a child. And the only thing I could think of whilst being in the classroom was that you know when school was done I could finally be back with the trees again I could run into the forest and I I think I was there almost 80% of my entire childhood just in the forest alone being just existing and thinking and it gave me it it made me into who I am I think because I was given the space to become you know a dreamer and a creative human being I was given the space to become a philosopher by, you know, actually figuring out problems in my life just by being in nature and having time to think and gain a better perspective on things. Um, and I think, you know, I I think that's why I'm so inspired by the nature when I write my songs, because I know that all people doesn't have the same access to to that kind of peaceful nature as I had. And I I hope, like in my wildest dreams, I would hope for people to have the same peace I, I, I hope it, I can wrap some of that peace inside my songs so people you know in the busy places they can listen to it and get the same um, escape you know I want to offer p- people the same thing with my music as nature has offered me throughout my life that's amazing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this concept, but in the U.S., something that um, a word that's been created, or I guess a phrase that's been created, is nature deficit disorder. 
um, where kids don't have access to nature. Um, mm. And I think the theory is that, you know, there's there's more excess energy. People don't feel as connected because kids aren't outside as much. And there are some states and areas of the country that now have to impose laws saying that you can allow your kid to go out and play without being told that you're a terrible parent and not watching your kid for letting them go out and play, um, that you're not being an absent parent, um, and, and, and trying to tell people, you can let your kids play outside. That's okay. And you don't have to be yes. watching it every moment of the day. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so interesting. Yeah. That is so different. And like when I was a child, I was outside alone all day. And we actually have this huge bell outside our, our, our main entrance in, in my parents' house. And they had to ring it because it has this loud ringing sound. And they had to ring it to bring me back home because I was so far away, they couldn't reach me. And of course, there wasn't a time when we didn't have phones. So, um, yeah, I was actually called back um, to eat, eat dinner and to go to bed every day because I was always out alone. Oh, that's that's a good law. I'm I'm happy that they're making you know making it more possible for children to to be um, co codependent. Is that or independent? Independent in yeah. nature alone. Yes, independent in nature alone. That's um, that's beautiful. I've been speaking with Aurora. Her latest album is called A Different Kind of Human. It is out now. Aurora, thank you so much for sharing your music. It's a lovely album and for sharing your perspective on the world. Um, It's very beautiful and congratulations on the new record. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. You can cry This is Sound and Vision from KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Before we wrap up the show, we have our listener question. This is a question we asked during National Record Store Day in April. We asked, what is your most cherished record and why? Hi, my name is Christine and I'm from Ballard and my most cherished album is the Beatles Blue Album. My favorite song on that is definitely Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And I would sit and listen to it over and over, reading the lyrics until I knew them all. That album was given to me as a gift by my Uncle Bob, who had been missing from my family's life for a really long time. And it was like the first gift he gave me. I got it for my eighth birthday right after it came out on blue vinyl. And he started my record collection. And I'm definitely sure I'm going to get some new colored vinyl on Record Store Day. My name is Nance Adler, and I live in Seattle. My current most cherished album is Soul Mining by The The. My sister introduced me to this album in 1984 after her freshman year at college. And um, my birthday song that's played every year on KEXP for me, uh, This Is The Day, which is my favorite song on the album. Three weeks ago today, my sister died tragically and suddenly in a car accident. And I gave the eulogy at her funeral and had written the eulogy and mentioned this album and song. And then the day before her funeral, while we were cleaning her house, my brother actually found a box of her old vinyl and this album was in it. And so I was able to have the album at the funeral and show it. And I carried it home with me 
on the plane after after the funeral. So I and it has taken a proud place in with my own vinyl. This is My name is Michael Leesk, I'm from Edmonds, Washington, and uh, the, uh, the album that really impacted me was Redheaded Stranger by Willie Nelson. I just remember listening to that album on my parents' bed, on our boat, summers in Alaska, cruising southeast Alaska, and um, for years I didn't remember that album until a friend brought it up and uh, started listening to it again. And... Uh, during the time of my dad's um, inevitable end of his life, I went searching for that record to play and walked up to Bob Street Records and heard it. <laughs> yeah, I heard it playing out on the speakers out on the street. And um, <laughs> I knew right there I was going to find it. And I walked inside and the guy says, what can I get you? I said, actually, this right here. And I pointed up to the speakers as it was playing. And he said, ah, oh, great album. And he said, I've got one in stock, but I can't give it to you. And it kind of crushed me for a minute. <laughs> and uh, then he said, I've got it on hold for a lady. Come back in a few days and I'll see what I can do. And uh, so I came back in a few days and he saw me and he said, she never called back. It's yours. And uh, so in the last few days, um, I played that album for my dad before he passed and then on the night of his passing uh, my siblings and some of our other family sat around listening to Red-Headed Stranger drinking whiskey so yeah the song that I really want to hear off of that is uh, first track Time of the Preacher It was the time of the preacher When the story began Of the choice of a lady And the love of a man Thanks to everyone for sharing your story and thanks to you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Sound and Vision wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go the extra mile and give a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org slash sound. Well, to wrap up the show today, we ask Odessa... Why music matters. I would say music matters to me because it's international. I don't think you need to know the language of a song to feel it or to understand it or to connect with it. And I think that if you can break down barriers with people that way, you're making an impact. Yeah. Top that, Clay. (laughs) Music. I think music matters because you're right. I mean, it's a language that is is universal and it's so primal and something that's so innate to to people and I think even without it today we'd still find a way to do something around it so it's it is it is part of humanity that was sound and vision see you next week